Good morning again. Oh, you look good. You sound good. We are beginning the Christmas series this Sunday. As I said, uh, many Sundays, Advent begins immediately after Thanksgiving. This year, we skip a Sunday, and it begins in December, on December the 3rd. But we're going to begin our Christmas series, like, of course, Walmart and Target, if you've already noticed, are already in the Christmas season, so why not? And we're doing Christmas at the movies, and we're going to start with the O.C., We're in John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, I don't know. How many people have already started decorating for Christmas? Yeah, I can't resist. We, we started, I thought it was just going to be a little thing, and then it was just a snowball effect because I just love decorating for Christmas, as does Savannah and uh, Steph does too. So we just had a great time decorating for Christmas, not on Thanksgiving Day, the next day. And then one of our other traditions is to watch Christmas movies. And my gosh, we love Christmas movies. A couple years ago, I did a series entitled Christmas at the Movies, weaving the movies that are popular in Christmas with the Christmas message and different kind of uh, facets and uh, insights. And many people said that was their favorite Christmas series ever. Even adults said, well, it was more understandable even and more fun. And so uh, we enjoyed that. And so people asked, could I do it again? And so back my popular demand, Christmas at the Movies, part two, because every great Christmas movie has a sequel, right? So um, Savannah said, Dad, there's all these part two ones. And then my daughter also said, Dad, you, you can't just do the movie movies. You also have to include some of the TV show classics. And I said, oh, really? And she said, and you got to do the OC. So I don't know if there's any OC fans out there. Hardly any back in the day. All right, well, don't worry. I'll catch you up as I always do a little thumbnail sketch of the OC. If you had a teenager in the 2000s, early the first decade, then you, you know this show. And uh, it's great for binge watching, too. So uh, we're going to look at the OC and see what we can see, if you will. OC stands for Orange County, and if you know anything about California, you probably know that Orange County is, I still believe, the most expensive zip code in the United States. Where Newport Beach is, and uh, Santa Barbara, some of those other uh, cities like that. And so the series takes place, the OC, in the OC. And the story is this, in Newport Beach, a couple by the name of, uh, Sandy and Kirsten are together, and they have a son by the name of Seth. And uh, Kirsten is the daughter of a real estate mogul who's extremely wealthy, and uh, Sandy is, uh, is the DA. He's the public defender, takes the kind of lower-end cases in the, in the county and even beyond the county, and uh, Seth is their son. Now, 
you know, I don't know, but I've been around some of it. In some of these wealthy, wealthy areas, they've got the high school, and Seth doesn't seem to fit in at all. And uh, he doesn't seem to have all the uh, kind of the social skills and the friends that he wants. He just feels completely left out, particularly as an only child. And uh, so there's all this going on. And then one day, Sandy, who's the public defender, takes this case. It's on a Friday. And the case is of this young man whose older brother stole a car and Ryan happened to be there. He was an accomplice. And he's only about 15 years old and is going to be thrown into juvie, you know, juvenile detention for those who haven't been around that. And many times juvenile detention can be pretty hard, you know, get thrown in with hardened criminals. You can come, become a criminal. And so Sandy is desperate looking for a foster home for Ryan for the weekend. So they get this appeal court going and try to, you know, get him off light. And meanwhile, his brother is so thrown into heavy uh, prison because he's done this sort of thing before. And Sandy can't find anybody, can't find a social worker that will take anything. And so desperate because it's Friday and he's going to take him back to his home, get some release. But uh, his, his mother is gone, is left, and she's abandoned the whole thing. And so um, he doesn't know what to do. So he takes Ryan home. And Ryan is from Chino, which is the opposite of Newport Beach. <laughs> so the rough area still is to this day in that area of California, kind of outside the O.C., and so he brings Ryan home, who clearly looks like, you know, a teenager from the wrong side of town. And his wife, Kirsten, goes a little bit ballistic, but she quietly calls him to the other room and says, you promised you would never bring this sort of thing into our home. I don't care what you do in your office, in your professional life, but you promised to never bring this sort of thing into our home, right? And so Sandy says, I didn't know what to do. Well, you know, I could throw him in prison for the weekend. It's just for overnight. I'll try some tomorrow. And uh, for the weekend, it'll be okay. And so uh, she agrees for a sort of a temporary thing. Well, meanwhile, Ryan and Seth hit it off. I mean, they're from completely different worlds, but they hit it off. And uh, uh, they also get into some trouble together, which is exactly what Kirsten doesn't want. But all of a sudden, Seth finds himself one of the popular kids at school because he's around with this kid that's rumored to have hot-wired a car. And it's completely different from anything else in Newport Beach. And so it's going well. And through all kinds of misadventures, uh, Ryan eventually endears himself to Kirsten and the entire family and some of the school as well. And he becomes part of the family. And in fact, they adopt him eventually as a son. Well, in the fall, turns into the holiday season. And... Uh, and Seth asked Ryan about the holidays and what his tradition is. And, and uh, Ryan says, well, <laughs> frankly, our holidays at home were a disaster. My mother has a drinking problem, she, all kinds of dysfunction. And he said, you know what, I just hate the holidays. And Seth says, well, I have the perfect thing for you. My father, Sandy, is, is Jewish and my mother is Protestant Christian, so I've brought together two holidays, Hanukkah and Christmas, into Chrismica and Merry Chrismica. And so Ryan is just like, he doesn't, he's not a believer at all. But uh, as things start going, you know, you know, Seth says, well, listen, you know, you get eight days of presents, you know, for the Hanukkah thing, and then followed by one day of lots and lots and lots of presents. So 
Ryan says, well, you know, that couldn't be too bad, right? So uh, in any case, they begin to celebrate this Christmaka, and for the first time, honestly, Ryan has a good holiday experience in the midst of all of this and finds hope and all that. Which brings us to an interesting question, if I may, which is, did Jesus celebrate Hanukkah? Did Jesus celebrate Hanukkah? Well, as many of you probably know, Hanukkah is not in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, right? Hanukkah did not begin until 164 or 165 BCE, roughly. And Hanukkah, if you don't know, is, uh, comes from the celebration of the dedication of the temple. And the temple was beginning to be rebuilt in the era at the end, if you recall last week when we were in Daniel, at the end of Daniel's time, and Darius the Great commissioned that people could go back, not only to the homeland, that they could begin to rebuild the temple. And in fact, he helped to fund that. And uh, one of his cupbearers later on, by the name of Nehemiah, if that sounds familiar, began to oversee it. He was a cupbearer and went back and he oversaw the rebuilding of the walls and then eventually the temple and also the great prophet Ezra. And when they dedicated the temple for quite a while it was being rebuilt, the official rededication of all this beautiful temple that was redone in that area in 161-65, there's rumored that they found a little bit of oil in a lamp from the era of Nehemiah, the great prophet. Nehemiah, again, was one of the best and brightest taken away with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who rose to power and promise because of his integrity and his ability. And they lit that little bit of oil, and it's rumored to have burned for eight days. Hence, the eight days of Hanukkah. It's a celebration of life and hope. It is not one of the major holidays, originally, of the Jewish faith, but it became major probably because of Christmas, right? So it was never mentioned in Hebrew scriptures. It begins in the book of Maccabees, one of the intertestamental ones. But then you might ask, is Hanukkah ever mentioned in the New Testament, right? Since Hanukkah started before Christ in 165 BC. So that's a great question. Now, the word Hanukkah is never mentioned in the New Testament, but it is mentioned by its other name, which is the Feast of Dedication, and it's only mentioned once. And of course, that's in today's reading. And I want to read it again for you so you know what this is. In John 10, 22 through 30 and following, then came the Festival of Dedication, Hanukkah, my friends, at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. And Jesus begins to talk to them about being the good shepherd. And the shepherd hear his voice. And oh, by the way, Solomon's colonnade is in the temple, the court of the courtyard of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles would have gathered also. And you would have seen, see some of those up here, uh, the dedication menorahs with all the candlelight lights, because it's known as actually the festival of lights, or lights by short, fire and light. And so Jesus was there for that. Interesting, isn't it? Well, going back for a second to the OC, the first year turns out great for Christmaka. There's a few bumps in the road. The second year is a absolute holiday catastrophe. Anyone besides me ever have any family catastrophes over the holidays? All the dysfunction comes out. So, uh, and it goes like this. Ryan's new girlfriend is a gal by the name of Haley. 
And uh, Haley doesn't have much holiday tradition in her family, and so Ryan invites her to Chrismica. And uh, Haley is the daughter of a single woman by the name of Lindsay, and Haley explains that, that um, for her Christmas celebration, for her holiday celebration, they just gave up on it. She didn't know who her father was. Her father never came around. And uh, she got tired of looking for her father, and they couldn't even bear to decorate for Christmas, let alone celebrate it. And Ryan said, Chrismica is perfect for you. Come on over to our house. We got a little dysfunction there, too. So, uh, so she's invited. Meanwhile, uh, Kirsten's father, by the name of Caleb, is this big real estate mogul, is uh, being investigated by the law because he's found giving money to the office of the DA, or at least thought to the office of the DA, for the secretary who's there at the, at the DA's office that they suspect that he might be bribing them for real estate deals. And so Sandy Cohen becomes the defender for his father-in-law, Caleb, who he frankly dislikes. <laughs> and, uh, and he wants him to come clean on this money. And Caleb says he's, he's not bribing the DA, but he can't tell him what it's all about. And Sandy is furious, so he does a little investigating, and he actually uh, meets with the secretary for DA, a woman by the name of Lindsay. And eventually, through some of his discovery, he finds out that Lindsay is Haley's mom. And the reason for the payments is that Caleb is actually the father of Haley, even though she does not know it. Well, uh, the families have been invited over to Chrismica, and um, Sandy tries to get Haley not to come because he wants Caleb to come clean on all this, but they end up there, and all of a sudden, all this is laid bare, and uh, Kirsten doesn't know that she has a sister or that her father had an affair, and when she finds out, she is furious at her father and slaps him a couple of times in the face. He deserved that. And uh, her mother has passed away, and she can't believe this. Haley, uh, who had all these high hopes for the holiday, is just bursting into tears and runs away, and they're left with a holiday disaster. Man, is that a holiday disaster or what? I don't know. <laughs> and, so, and so there's the hurt. And I don't know in your own family, as I say, you know, many of us have some hurts and dysfunction in our families, or we develop some of those things, and sometimes the holidays hurt. Maybe you've lost a loved one, too. And, uh, and there's hurt, and there's dysfunction, and sometimes you just want to give up on the holidays as they did. But fortunately, there's not just a holiday disaster, but in this case, there's a Chrismica miracle, okay? Because in the midst of the dysfunction, in the midst of the disaster, God is still working miracles. And I think that's one of the points of that. So what unfolds is this story is that Kirsten has locked herself in the closet, won't speak to her husband. She's so upset and infuriated at her father and everything, and she found out that Sandy knew this, didn't tell her soon enough. And, uh, and meanwhile, Haley has uh, gone to, out to the beach, and she's just crying out there. And, uh, and Seth and Ryan almost give up on the whole idea of Chrismica. And so they go out, they meet a couple of their friends out there, and they say, well, you know what? We believe in Chrismica miracles. And they say, well... <laughs> Do you have a plan for this full-fledged disaster? And they say yes. And so they start on this plan. And, and what unfolds is this? It turns out that Ryan goes to the closet where Kirsten has locked herself in. 
And of course, he's the adopted son now of Kirsten. And he says, maybe you should come out and, and uh, try to make this better. And, and she says, how can it be better? And he says, well, maybe what Haley doesn't realize is how good you and your family are of taking in a new member. <laughs> and that gets her. <laughs> so she finally comes out of the closet and then uh, decides she's going to meet her sister, whom she never really met properly in the midst of all this chaos. And even though she's heartbroken, Sandy says, won't you like meet your new sister? And uh, so they get on their way. And then Seth goes out to the beach to find Haley. He's out there crying and sobbing uh, on the beach because it is Newport Beach after all. And Seth sits down next to her and he says, well, I know that there's, uh, this is not what you expected in all the dysfunction. She says, you got that right. He says, well, there's some, there's some good news. And she says, what's that? He says, well, you're now part of my family. <laughs> and he says, welcome to all the dysfunction and insecurity of my family. And, uh, but we get through it together. And so they begin to walk back to the house and uh, once again, she's never had a house decorated for Christmas. But then when she starts walking up the street, she sees that they have decorated this house extravagantly for Hanukkah and Christmas, Christmas guy. And they've never seen anything like it. And there is uh, Sandy and his wife, Kirsten, and he introduces uh, Kirsten and Haley as new sisters. And they have a moment that is a little very different than what it was before. And there's some friends, and they've sort of knitted these little uh, Santa yarmulkes for them to have. And they have a, a family moment that is a healing and uniting home a family moment that should be what the holidays are all about. Well, let's go back to Jesus and Hanukkah for a moment. And I'd like to, to invite you into an earlier reading uh, that's part of this, the earlier part of that story in John chapter 10 verses 14 and following. And Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus saying, I have sheep that are not in this sheep pen, and I need to bring them in to unite as one family. And oh, by the way, earlier than that, Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And the festival known as the festival of lights in the midst of all this. Well, maybe there's a Christmas moment for all of us. I'm not suggesting you have to celebrate Hanukkah, but I do wish you would at least wish your Jewish family, in some sense, happy Hanukkah when that season rolls around. And discover some of the richness that God is at work in places sometimes we don't even imagine. And also realize that in the midst of all of our own personal family dysfunction, that if we allow God to work, sometimes God is working through the hurt 
and the heartbreak to unite and reunite us and make us larger, bigger, better, brighter than we ever imagined if we just allow God to do exactly that. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And what am I about? I'm the good shepherd. I'm going out to look for the lost in every highway and byway where you don't think people are part of the family, and yet they are. They're hurting. They're in need. So this Christmas season, yes, also Hanukkah season, it will be on another week or so, to look out with open arms, arms and to allow the hurt and heartbreak to be there for God to heal and to be also part of the healing process where you can. I know you can't solve all the dysfunction in your family any more than I can in mine. <laughs> but you can open your heart and laugh a little bit. You can wrap your arms around a hurting person. You can offer forgiveness. You can offer grace in new ways. And you can discover that God can still heal the hurt, not only of the wounded body, but also for the wounded heart and the family soul as well. And this is part of the miracle of Christmas. Amen? Will you join me in prayer? Lord, as we begin this journey to Bethlehem, where you took part in our lives, where you were there as the good shepherd and also as the baby, Emmanuel, willing to take on all of our hurt and heartbreak, that you could bring light into the darkness, that you could bring healing into the hurt, that miracle, Christmas, is a miracle that still happens for us today, if we'll only let you work in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name, and all God's people said, amen.